Chapter Eight of Shorty McCabe by Sewell Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Did you shut the hall door? That's right. There's no telling what's liable to float in here any time. Say, if they don't quit it, I'll get to be one of these nervous prostrators that thinks themselves sick of bed without half trying. Sure, I'm just convalescing from the last shock. How? Now make a guess. Well, it was this way. I was sitting right here in the front office, reading the sporting dope and taking me regular morning sunbath, when the door buzzer goes off and in drifts about a hundred and ninety pounds of surprise package. There was a foreign label on it, all right, but I didn't know until later that it read Made in Austria. He was a beefy sort of gent with not much neck to speak of and enough coily black hair to shingle a French poodle. He was well colored, too. Beats the cause, don't it, the good health that's wasted on some of these foreigners. But what takes my eye the most was his trousseau. Say, he was dressed to the minute, from the pink in his buttonhole to the mother of pearl gloves. And the back of his frock coat had an incoive such as your forty fat sisters dream about. Why, as far as lines went, he had Jimmy Hackett and Robert Mantell on the back shelf. Oh, he was a crusher, sure. I have the purpose of finding Professor McCabe, says he, reading off in a card. If you mean McCabe, says I, I'm discovered. Is it you that are also by the name of Shorty, says he? Shorty for short, says I, and PCD on the end to lengthen it out. Physical Culture Director, that stands for. Now, do you want my thumbprint and a snapshot of my family tree? That seemed to stun him a little, but he revived after a minute, threw out his chest, lifted his silk lid, and says, solemn as a new notary public taking the oath of office, I am Baron Patchouli. You look it, says I. Have a chair. I am, says he, getting a fresh start, Baron Patchouli of Hamstadt and Dusseldorf. All right, says I. Take the settee. How are all the folks at home? But say, there wasn't any use trying to jolly him into making a shortcut of it. He got his route of parade all planned out, and he meant to stick by it. Professor McCabe, says he. Don't, says I. You make me feel like I'd been transplanted into French and was running a hack line. Call it McCabe. A-B-E. Abe. One thousand pardons, says he, and tries again. This time he gets it. Almost and I lets him spiel away. Oh, mama, but I wish I could say it the way he did. It would let me on the proctor circuit if I could. But boiled down and skimmed, it was all about how I was a kind of safety deposit vault for everything he had to live for. My hopes, my fortune, my happiness, the very breath of my living, it is all with you, says he as a wind-up, hitting the Caruso pose, arms out, toes in, and his breath coming hard. How was that for news from home? I did some swift surmising, and then I says, soothing-like, Yes, I know, but don't take on about it so. They're all right, just as you handed them over. Only I asked me friend the Sarge to lock em up till you called. We'll walk around and see the Sarge right away. Ah, says he, batting his noble brow, you do not comprehend. You make to laugh, and me, I come to you from the adorable Sadie. 
Sadie, says I, Sadie Sullivan that was. He bows and grins. If you got credentials from Sadie, says I, it's all right. Now what's doing? Does she want me to match samples or show you the sights along the white lane? Ah, the adorable Sadie, says he, rolling his eyes and puffing out his cheeks like he was trying to lung test her. I drive with her. I walk with her. I sit by her side. One day, two day, a week. Well, what happens? I am charm. I am fascinate. I am become her slave. I make to resist. I say to myself, you, you are the noble Austrian blood. The second cousin of your mother is a grand duke. You must not forget. Then again I see Sadie. Poof! I have no longer pride, but only I love. It is enough. I ask of her, Madame Deepworth, where is the father of you? She says he is not. Then the uncle of you, I demand. She says, I am shy on uncles. But to who then, I ask, must I declare my honorable passion? Oh, she say, tell it to Shorty McCabe. Ha! I leap, I bound, I go to M. Pinckney. Tell me, I say, where is to found one Shorty McCabe? And he sends me to you. I am come. On the level now, it went like that. Maybe I've left out some of the frills, but it was the groundwork of his remarks. Yes, says I. You're a regular come-on. I guess the adorable Sadie has handed you a josh. She's equal to it. But that got by him. He just stood there, teetering up and down on his patent leathers and grinning like a monkey. I say, says I, she's run you on a side and dropped you down a coal hole. Do you get wise? Did he? Not so you would notice it. He goes on grinning and teetering, like he was on exhibition in a museum, and I was the audience. Then he gets a view of himself in the glass over the safe there, and he begins to pat down his and thatch, and punch up his puffed tie, and dust off his collar. Ever see one of those peroxide cloak models doing a march past the show windows on a day off? Well, the Baron had all those motions and a few of his own. He was ornamental, all right, and it wasn't any news to him either. About then, though, I begins to wonder if I hadn't been a little too sure about Sadie. There's no telling when it comes to women, you know, and when it hit me that perhaps, after all, she'd made up a mind to tag this one from Austria, you could have fried an egg on me anywhere. Look here, Patchouli, says I. Is this straight about you and Sadie? Are you the winner? Ah, the adorable Sadie, says he, coming back to earth and slapping a solar plexus with one hand. We've covered that ground, says I. What I want to know is, does she cotton to you? Cotton, cotton, says he, humping his eyebrows like a French ballad singer. Are you the fromage, says I, and she is stuck on you as you are on yourself? Have you made good? He must have got a glimmer from that, for he rolls his eyes some more, breathes once like an air break being cut out, and says, Our luff is like twin stars in the sky, each for the other shines. It's as bad as all that, is it, says I. Well, all I've got to say is that I never thought it of Sadie, and if she sent you down here on approval, you can tell her I'm satisfied as she is. I figured that would jar him some, but it didn't. He looked as pleased as though I'd told him he was the ripest berry in the box, 
and before I knew what was coming, he had the long-lost brother tackle on me, and was almost weeping on my neck, spluttering joy in seven different kinds of language. Just then, Swifty Joe bobs his head in through the gym door, springs that gorilla grin of his, and ducks back. Break away, says I. I don't want to spoil the looks of anything that Sadie's picked out the frame, but this thing has gone about far enough. If you're glad and she's glad, then I ain't got any kick coming. Only don't rub it in. Say, it was like talking to a deaf man saying things to the Baron. She's mine, yes, says he. I have your permission, Professor McCabe. Sure, says I. If she'll have you, take her and welcome. Now, you thought that would have satisfied him, wouldn't you? But he acted like he'd got a half-arm jolt on the wind. He backed off, cooled down as if I'd chucked a pail of water over him. Well, says I, you don't want it in writing, do you? I'm just out of permit blanks, and me secretary's laid up with a bad case of McGraw-itis. If I was you, I'd skip back and keep my eye on Sadie. She might change her mind. The Baron thought he'd seen a red flag, though. He put in a worry period that lasted while you could count fifty. Then he forks out his trouble. It is not possible that I have mistake, is it? says he. I am learned Madame Deepworth is what you call one heiress, no? See, I've been sort of looking for that, and there it was, as plain as a real estate map of Gates of Paradise, Long Island me being so free and easy with telling him to help himself had thrown up a horrible suspicion to him. Was it true that Sadie's role was real money, the kind you could spend at the store? And say, long as it was up to me to write a prospectus, I thought I might as well make it a good one. Do you see that moving van out there? says I. The Baron saw it. And have you ever been introduced to these? I says, flashing a big wrist-sized wad of tens and fives. Oh, he was acquainted all right. Well, says I, Sadie's got enough of these put away to fill two carts like that. Fetch him? Why, his fingers almost point a hole through his gloves. Ah, says he, and takes a little time to picture himself dipping into the family pocketbook. Course, it wasn't any my funeral, but when I thinks of a sure enough live one like Sadie, that I'd always supposed had a head like a billiard table, getting daffy about such overstuffed frankfurter as this specimen, I felt like someone had shoved a blue quarter on me. Worst of it was, I'd held the stepladder for her to climb up where such things grow. I was getting rawer to the touch every minute, and was trying to make up my mind whether to give the Baron a quick run down the stairs, or go off and leave him try to dislocate his neck trying to see the small of his back in the mirror, when in comes Pickney, with that little sparkle in his eyes that I've come to know means any kind of sport you're a mind to name. Hello, says he, giving the Baron a hand. You found him, eh? Hello, Shorty. Got it all fixed, have you? Say, says I, pulling Pigney over by the window, did you put this up on me? He says he didn't, honest. Then take your fat friend by the hand, says I, and lead him off where things ain't liable to happen to him. Why, what's up, Shorty, says he? Haven't you given him your blessing and told him to go in and win? Switch off, says I. I've heard enough of that from the Baron to last me a year. What's it about, anyway? Suppose he has laid his plans to miserize Sadie, What's he want to come hollering about it to me for? I'm no matrimonial referee, am I? 
I knew something was tickling Pinckney inside, but he put up a front like a special sessions judge. Baron, says he, calling over to Patchouli, I forgot to mention that our friend, the professor, doesn't understand the European system of conducting such affairs as this. If you'll pardon me, I'll make it clear to him. Well, he did, and a lot more. It seems that the Baron was a ringer in the set where Sadie and Pinckney had been doing the weekend house party act. He'd been traveling on that handle of his, making some broad jumps and quick shifts, until he'd waked himself up from a visitor's card at a second-rate downtown club to the kind of folks that quit New York at Easter and don't come back until the snow flies again. They don't squint too close at a title in that crowd, you know. First thing the Baron hears, of course, is about the drowsy drop dollars and the girl that's got em. He don't lose any time after that in making up to Sadie. He freezes to her like a Park Row Wookstree boy does at a turkey drumstick at Newsy's Christmas dinner. And for Pickney and the rest of em, it was as good as a play. Huh, says I. You're easy pleased, ain't you? But I want to tell you that it grouches me a lot to think that Sadie'd fall for such a wad-hutting party as that. What ho, says Pickney. Here's a complication that we hadn't suspected. Meaning which, says I. Perhaps it would be better to postpone that explanation, says he, but I sympathize with your state of mind, Shorty. However, what's done is done, and meanwhile the Baron is waiting. Wouldn't surprise me none, says I, to hear that that's his trade. But say, what kind of a steer is it that brings him to me? I ain't got that straight yet. Pigney goes on to say as how the foreign style of negotiating for a goyle is more or less a business proposition, and that Sadie, not having any old folks handy to make the deal, and maybe not having a game clear in her own mind, shoves him my way, just offhand. To be sure, says Pinkney, whatever arrangements you may happen to make will not be binding, but they will satisfy the Baron. So just act as if you had full authority, and we'll see if there are any little details that he wants to mention. Sure enough, there was. He handed them to me easy. Oh, nice and easy. He didn't want much for a starter, just a trifle put within easy reach before the knot was tied, a mere matter of ten million francs. No Jims nor Joes, says I. The Baron is accustomed to reckoning in francs, says Pickney. He means two million dollars. Two million cases, says I, catching my breath. Well, say, I had to take another look at him. If I could think as well of myself as that, I wouldn't ask no better. Patchouli, says I, you're too modest. You shouldn't put yourself on the bargain counter like that. The Baron looks like I'd said something to him in Chinese. The professor thinks that the band is quite reasonable, considering all things, said Pinkney. And that went with the Baron. Then he had to shake hands all around, same as if we'd signed terms for a championship go, and him and Pinkney gets underway for some private highball factory over on the avenue. I wasn't sorry to lose him. Somehow I wanted to get my mind on something else. Well, I put in a busy morning, trying to teach blocks and jabs to a couple of youngsters that think boxing is a kind of wrist exercise, like piano playing, and I got a pound or so off a nice plump old bishop who comes here for handball and stunts like that. I was still feeling a bit ugly and wishing there was something sizable around to take it out on, when in comes Coily Locks and Pinkney again. Has he made up his mind that he wants my wad, too? says I to Pinkney. No, says he. 
the baron has discovered that up where sadie is staying the law requires a prospective bridegroom to equip himself with a marriage license he thinks he will get one in town and take it back with him now as you know all about such things shorty and as i have an appointment at twelve thirty i'll leave the baron with you so long and he gives me the wink as he slides out say i had my cue this trip all right i couldn't see just why it was but the baron had been passed up to me he was mine for keeps i could hang him out for a sign or wire a pan to him and he was as innocent the baron was as a new boy sent to a harness shop after strap oil he got his eyes fixed on the drowsy drops bank account and he couldn't see anything else he must have sized me up as a sort of santa claus that didn't have anything to do between seasons but to be good to his kind so you want to take out a license do you says i coming to mr smooth play if the professor would be so obliged says he oh sure says i that's my steady job a marriage license eh i had a nineteenth-story view of the scheme he'd built up he means to go back heeled with the appointment from me with the little matter of the two million ready all cinched and the wedding papers in his inside pocket then he does the whirlwind rush at sadie and as he dopes it out to himself figuring on what a crusher he is he don't see how he can lose and i suppose he thinks he can buy a marriage license most anywhere same's you can a money order with that i had a stroke of thought they don't hit me very often but when they do they come hard i had to go over to the water cooler and grin into the tumbler then i walks up to the baron and taps him on the chest patchouli says i you come with me i'll get you a romeo outfit that'll astonish the natives it took me about two hours chasing him down to the bureau of licenses and hunting up me old side partner jimmy fitzpatrick that's the main guy there but i didn't grudge the time jimmy helped me out a lot he's a keen one jimmy is and when he got next he threw in a lot of flourishes just where they was needed most he never cracked a smile either when the baron tipped him a dime i didn't let loose a patchouli till i'd seen him stow away that sealed envelope and had put him aboard the right train at the grand central then i went back to the studio looking so contented that swifty struck me for a raise that was on a monday long about thursday i thought i might get worried from pinckney or some of em but there was nothing doing somebody's put coily locks wise thinks i or else he's sneaked away to jump off the dock i didn't have anyone on that afternoon so i was just waking off a little steam on the punching bag doing the long roll and a few other stunts i was getting nicely warmed up and hitting the balloon at a rate of about a hundred and fifty raps a minute when i hears somebody breaks past swifty and roars out where he is let me to him it was the baron his mustache bristling out like a bottle cleaner and blood in his eye har says he in real heavy villain style you make me joke you gwan says i over me shoulder you was born a joke sit down and cool off for it's your next and with that i goes at the bag again say it ain't much of a trick to fight the bag you know most any y m c a kid can get the knack of catching it on his elbows and collarbone making it drum out a tune like the finish of a dutch opera and that's about all i was doing only chucking a few extra pounds into it maybe but if you don't know how easy it is it looks like a curtain raiser for manslaughter 
and I reckon the Baron hadn't any idea I'd strip as bunchy as I do. Course, there's no telling just what went on in his mind while he stood there. Swifty says his mouth come open gradual, like a bridge draw that's being swung for a tug, and his eyes began to bug out, and the noble Austrian assault and battery blood faded out of his face, same's the red does on the Belasco's sunsets. And pretty soon, when I thought my little grandstand play had a chance to sink in, I throws a good stiff one into the bag, ducks from under, and turns around to sing out, Next! to the Baron. But he wasn't in sight. Pinkney was there, though, and Sadie behind them, both looking wild. Hello, says I. Where's Patchouli? He was anxious to see me a minute ago. He seemed anxious not to when we passed him on the stairs just now, says Pinkney. Did he leave any word, says I. He just said, bah, and jumped into a cab, says Pinkney. He didn't hurt you, did he, says Sadie. What, him, says I. Not that I know about. But I've got this to tell you, Mrs. Dipworthy. If you put any high value on your new steady, you'd better chase him off this reservation. Why, Shorty McCabe, says she, taking me by the shoulders and turning them blue eyes of hers straight at me. My new steady? That... That woolly-haired freak. Say, you could have slipped me into the penny slot of a gum machine. Oh, fudge, piffle, splash. It's a wonder when I walk I don't make a noise like a sponge. I take some things in so easy. Is it curious my head never aches? Pickney sees how bad I was feeling, and he cuts in to tell me how things had worked out. And say, do you know what that patchouli had done? After I left him, he goes back tickled to death and waits for an opening. Then one night, when they was having a big hunt ball or some kind of swell jinx, he tolls Sadie into the palm room, drops the mat on his knees, and fires off that twin-star luff speech, begging her to fly with him and be his'n. As a capper, he digs up the envelope to show her there needn't be any hitch in the program. What's this? says Sadie, making a sudden grab and getting the goods. With that, she lets go of a string of giggles and streaks it out into the ballroom. It is the document of our marriage, says the Baron, making a bold bluff. Oh, is it? says she, opening the thing up and reading it off. Why, Baron, this doesn't give you leave to marry anyone, says Sadie. This is a peddler's license, and here's the badge, too. If you wear this, you can stand on the corner and sell shoelaces and collar buttons. I'd advise you to go do it. It was while the crowd was howling and pinning the faker's tag on him that he began to froth at the mouth and tell how he was coming down to make mincemeat of me. That's why we followed him, says Pinkney, to avoid bloodshed. If he had so much as touched you, Shorty, says Sadie, I would have spent my pile to have him sent up for life. Oh, it wouldn't have cost that much, says I. With me thinking the way I did then, maybe there wouldn't have been a whole lot left to send. Ah, look away. I ain't telling what Sadie did next. But say, she's a humming boy, Sadie is. End of chapter 8